stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. He was Mr. Detroit, and it was almost like he could do anything in Detroit and get away with it. He's the baddest guy on ice, you know. First time I ever did a coke, that was my first year pro. That was a drug that was widely used in the NHL. That's pretty scary when you got a guy chasing you around on the ice that's doing cocaine. I don't think I've ever seen him that messed up. It was crazy, like in crazy eyes. You always seen it was invincible, I guess. Uh, well, that from the trailer uh, for a new film, looking at the story of Bomb Prober, probably the most, certainly one of, but maybe the most feared NHL enforcer that there was. Uh, and, and this was during the, the 19, uh, late 1980s, really when, when the role of the NHL enforcer was at its heyday. I mean, the NHL was removed from some of the, the mayhem of, of the 70s, but definitely the enforcer had a big, big role to play in the 80s. And there was probably none tougher than Bob Probert. Uh, but Bob had his, his inner demons, as we've come to learn, sadly, that a lot of these, these tough guys did. Well, the Bob Probert story is the subject uh, of a new documentary film. It's called Tough Guy, the Bob Probert Story. It is screening this Saturday here in Calgary at the Plaza Theater. It is going to air on Super Channel later this month. Uh, joining us on the line is the director of this film, uh, Jordy Day. Uh, Jordy, great to have you with us. You're welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, I mean, there's there's so much that's compelling about Bob Probert and his story. Obviously, a very tragic story. Um, and this builds uh, off, you know, the uh, a book about uh, some of this, this, um, you know, this subject matter. But what what got you interested in picking up the story and, and bringing it to to the to the screen? You know, he just has such a remarkable and interesting story. I think on a lot of levels. So, I mean, even if you were to take away all the scandal. Um, all the addiction issues, just his sports story. Um, this is a guy that literally fought his way into the NHL, probably otherwise wouldn't have been drafted. Um, so bare knuckle boxed his way into the league and then became an all-star player. You know, he had a 62-point season. And um, throughout his career, people counted him out. After he was caught with uh, cocaine at the border, he went to prison for a year. And everybody said his career was over. Nobody had really seen that before in professional hockey. And he came back. And, um, I mean, that was just one incident. It happened over and over and over again. He just kept coming back. He kept making comebacks. And he kept overcoming his, uh, his issues. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, he's, uh, he debuted in the NHL in the 85-86 season. His last season was 2001-2002. That, that's a long career. Yeah, an incredibly long career. He almost played a thousand games. Yeah. So how how did he manage to keep it going despite everything he was dealing with and, and the kind of role he was expected to play? That's a really good question, you know, because it's it's a it's a rarity. It's a rarity for an enforcer to have a career like that. I think it's a really difficult job to continue doing, as you say, for that long a stretch. You talk to these uh, guys that, 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 that filled that role, and they have a lot of pride in doing that and protecting their teammates. But it, it takes a toll. They're, they're fighting a lot in a season, you know, 30, 40 times during the season. And, and, you know, I was talking to Troy Crowder, and he was saying, yeah, people appreciate that, but they don't understand that even in preseason you're fighting, and you're fighting in camp. 
So you can add like 30 more times on top of that. I mean, you may be having 70 bare knuckle boxes matches in a year, you know, with knockouts and they're, they're brutally violent. It's tough to imagine um, keeping that up for that long. Uh, uh, but he managed to do it, and yeah, I mean, he, he managed to put up numbers too. You know, it's it, it was a remarkable time too in the, in that around eighty seven, eighty eight. I mean, Detroit got to the Stanley Cup final, or the I think it was the Conference Final, maybe against the Edmonton yeah. Oilers, one of those years. Um, but they they yeah. were kind of a, a mediocre team, but it was quite a, a a rowdy division, and they were quite a rowdy team. I remember watching one. Uh, video of a of a sequence where there's just kind of a line brawl going on, and the other team's tough guy made the mistake of picking a fight with young Steve Eiserman. And so there's Bob Probert, and he's just sort of lurking uh, uh, at the edges of all of this, waiting for the refs to get out of the way, waiting for the scuffle to, to die down. And as soon as he gets his chance, the guy who picked the fight with Steve Eiserman, Probert lays him out with a single punch. And in the meantime, you know, he's... I think it was Tom Barrasso maybe tried to, to come to him, someone else from the other team, and he just scared those guys away, that he was standing there and he was waiting to get his shot in on this guy who picked a fight with Steve Eiserman. But, you know, he was feared. And, you know, like some of these, these people talk about in the film, that he was also unpredictable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said in the intro, um, he, he's regarded by many as the greatest hockey fighter ever. Um, every hockey fighter that we interviewed and, uh, we interviewed some pretty credible guys from different generations, you know, from one more recent one, Scott Parker, um, from the past, you know, we interviewed Ty Domi and, and Joe Koser and, and some of the greats, Stu Grimson. And they all say that, uh, they, they feel that Probert was the most dominant and the greatest hockey fighter ever. And, and that's what they say. You know, he, he, people were afraid of him. Um, and, you know, uh, it's in professional sports, it's a mental game, and that had a, a huge impact on the ice. Yeah, he was also quite a, a figure in Detroit. And, you know, the Red Wings, obviously, uh, they, they have a long history in that city. Hockey Town, USA, as, as they call it. And, you know, the, the clip in the trailer talked about, he was, he was kind of Mr. Detroit, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking to former teammates and guys that played with him uh, during that era, um, you know, it, it was called Joe Lewis Arena. You know, it's a, it's a, they're playing in a hockey arena that's named after uh, a boxer. And it's a blue-collar town. And uh, they have an appreciation for, for guys like uh, Bob Probert and, and Joe Koser. And when those guys came to the team, as you say, in 85, um, they weren't a great team. They weren't winning hockey games. So people were coming out to see Bob Probert fight. And in Detroit, um, you know, I mean, obviously Steve Eiserman was the superstar within the league. But uh, in Detroit, uh, people came to watch Bob Probert fight. Now, by the way, are you going to be screening this in, in Detroit? Uh, yeah, we're looking at that possibility, but we don't have a, a date set. But we definitely will. Uh, we're getting um, a lot of requests, too. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, look, I mean, it's a story with a tragic end. Um, you know, that that's... We, we, we know about the cocaine use, obviously, uh, but the toll, you know, the, the physical side took on him. And, you know, it came out much later, and it was part of that, that book that, um, you know, that, that he wrote along with uh, Christy McClellan, Dave, that, you know, he was dealing with anxiety. He was dealing with depression. I mean, he, he was dealing with a lot, and it's, you know, it's become an all-too-common story, right? These tough guys we think are so invincible and just, you know, all the hell they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think it's that uncommon. Uh, you know, uh, for tough guys to, to deal uh, with anxiety 
and and to get wrapped up in um, booze and uh, and and the drugs. I think that's a pretty common thing. I think it's a really difficult job, or it was a really difficult job, and and um, so I don't think that's necessarily unique. But at the time, um, in the late '80s. You know, when these kind of high-profile incidents were happening, when Bob was crashing his car in downtown Windsor or, you know, getting caught at the border uh, with cocaine or, you know, getting caught in in bar scruffle, getting caught in bar fights and things like that, um, it had just never been that high-profile before. Uh, A lot of people say um, Bob Probert is the reason the NHL began a substance abuse program. Uh, He sort of patient number one. And so the NHL didn't really know how to deal with it yet. Um, The Detroit Red Wings didn't really know how to deal with it. And the media at the time, uh, we were at a different place culturally. The media was certainly less sympathetic. What about cocaine? And you heard that there's a clip of Chris Chelios uh, where he talks about how it was just, it was kind of all over the place at the time. Um, what, what was what was going on then? Were, were players doing it because they were young? They had money? Did they think it gave them you know, some kind of an edge or what, what was going on around cocaine back then? Yeah, I, I think it, it's um, definitely more likely the former. Um, most guys that I've talked to, uh, who most NHL players who I've talked to about that, about playing on cocaine, didn't seem to think it was something that gave them an edge. Um, it was more to do with the fact that they just had a problem and, and couldn't stop. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I, I think, uh, you know, these are young guys in, in their early 20s with, with a lot of money and uh, and a lot of opportunity to, to try things. And so it, it makes sense. And um, I'm, I'm sure a, a lot of guys can just it can kind of end there, just have some fun here and there. But a, a lot of guys, uh, you know, struggle with it. Yeah, it's kind of that downward spiral. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's certainly, I think, part of Bob Robert's story. George, what, do, what do you hope people get from, from this film? Yeah, you know, um, so, so as you mentioned, uh, the, the documentary is pretty well narrated by Bob Probert throughout. Uh, he did hours and hours of interview uh, for his autobiography, and we took those, those interviews and allowed him to tell his story in his own words. And I think when he wrote the book and he was as honest and as raw as he was, um, you know, it was a really brave thing to do because you're opening up yourself to criticism and backlash. And, but it helps a lot of people. It helps a lot of people that are going through similar things um, to see other people talk about it. It, it, it'll, it. it kind of inspires people to have a conversation. And I think that's a big part of why Bob wrote the book. So hopefully we can continue that mission forward. And, and uh, that's what people can get out of the, the documentary as well. All right, so uh, the film is screening this Saturday, right at the Plaza Theater? Yeah, the, this Saturday at the Plaza Theater, 6.30. And I should mention that uh, you can get tickets at uh, toughguymovie.com. Uh, Sheldon Kennedy is going to be there as well, and we're going to do a Q&A after the movie. Um, Sheldon Kennedy was uh, best friends uh, with Probert when they were both in Detroit. Uh, after, after Bob came out of prison and Sheldon was having some some uh, drinking issues. They, they, uh, the team roomed them together to, to kind of give each of them a support system, which I think worked pretty well a lot of the time. But sometimes they got uh, each other into a little bit of trouble as well. And I know this because I set the PVR. It's, I think, December 14th uh, on Super Channel? Yeah, that's right. December 14th on Super Channel.
All right. Well, looking forward to that. Uh, Jordy, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Congrats on the film. And um, again, much appreciated. Great. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Take care. Uh, that is Jordy Day, uh, director of Tough Guy, the Bob Probert story. Again, toughguymovie.com. Uh, more on the film. And uh, as mentioned, still some tickets available for the screening uh, this Saturday night. And yeah, Sheldon Kennedy is going to be there. It's going to be a Q&A after. So it'll be quite an evening. And it is, it is quite a story. Uh, what's also interesting, too, and someone pointed this out to me the other day, we got to talking about this and said, Rob, did you know, I mean, after Bob Probert died, they uh, scattered his ashes in Joe Louis Arena. And yeah, indeed, it was actually the penalty box of the Joe Louis Arena, uh, which is where they put his ashes. Now, I don't know what, what the future holds for the Joe Louis Arena. Of course, the Red Wings just moved into this uh, new arena, uh, Little Caesars Arena or place or whatever it's called. And I don't know what they're going to do with Joe Louis. Uh it probably doesn't have much of a future. It'll be really sad to see that torn down. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.